I'm Kelly. And welcome to the Millennial Minimalist. Hi, everyone. This is Kelly, and today I am sharing a conversation between my co-host Lauren and special guest Una Duncan, a multi-award winning personal trainer, fitness expert, and best-selling author of the book Healthy AF, The Habits You Need to Get Lean, Stay Healthy, and Kick Butt at Life. In her book, Una cuts through the noise when it comes to dieting and exercise. And with great humor and honesty, she helps you put healthy and sustainable habits into action. If your health and fitness routine is not working for you, or if you're looking to bring your physical health to the next level, this conversation is for you. Una shares simple lifestyle strategies to help you transform your mindset and feel empowered to make healthy choices that will fulfill your goals for the rest of your life. Una also addresses the importance of simplifying your life. She says, quote, ditch everything that is distracting you and that doesn't add value to your life. And she shares decluttering tips to help you feel good now and advance your health and fitness journey for the long term. Together, Lauren and Una share personal stories and refreshing lessons about health, fitness, and habits that will leave you feeling inspired. This energy-packed conversation opens with a background on Una's story. I just want to start by asking you to share your story and your like history of dieting and losing weight and what brought you to this balance. So basically I was, um, I was an actor for a long time and I, you know, I felt pretty accomplished in my, you know, in my career, in my friendships and all these different areas of my life. But for as long as I can remember, I was never, ever happy with my body. I always felt like my body didn't match sort of who I felt like I was inside. Whenever I would see a picture of myself, I'd always say, oh, that's a horrible picture. That doesn't look like me. That's not me. And then, you know, of course, other people would be like, no, that looks like you. And I'd be like, no. And, you know, I would, I hated uh, every time I sat down, my pants would dig into my belly. And whenever anyone would invite me to a thing, one of my first thoughts was always, you know, how can I lose 10 pounds before that that wedding, that date, that whatever. And so even though I didn't want to admit it, because I very much identified as a feminist, as someone who wouldn't, you know, be preoccupied with these kind of thoughts, the truth is that I was. And so I went on all these diets very covertly because I never would have admitted to anybody that I was uh, dieting or wanting to lose weight. But I did like, dude, I did all of them. I did, uh, geez, what can I, I don't know, Weight Watchers. I did Atkins. I did the juice cleanses. I did the master cleanse where you drink nothing but maple syrup and cayenne pepper for yeah, 10 days. <laughs> you did that too? Yeah. I did. I um, think everyone's done it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The cabbage soup diet, uh, slim fast, uh, you know, basically like all of them, all of them. And, um, I even sent away, I remember, you remember, I don't know if you're, you're probably not old enough to remember this, but you used to, they used to have advertisements in magazines saying like, send us a self-addressed envelope and we'll send you a free blah, blah, blah. And so I sent away for this green algae stuff that you were supposed to take once a day and it just burns fat while you sleep or whatever. Like that's how, even though I consider myself a pretty smart person, it was such a pain point that I would still like find a little shred of hope in that, in that kind of BS. So anyway, so I went through the gamut of all of these, uh, diets and stuff like that. And as you know, you know, spoiler alert, it doesn't work. It doesn't work at all. In fact, what tends to happen is what I call the weight loss roller coaster in my book, where you get your hopes up and it does work for a little bit. And you're like, oh my gosh, this is it. I'm never going to go back to the fat slob that I was before. This is my new thing now. And you're so excited. And then you can't quite sustain the, 
And then you feel like you failed and then you beat yourself up for failing and you're so mad at yourself and you kind of have this little slump and then, and then you find out about the next thing and you're like, yeah, 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 no, 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 it's this thing. And then you ride the roller coaster again. And the thing about that roller coaster is it's absolutely exhausting energetically, physically as well. And it is just occupying so much of your brain. And I believe that there are so many, especially women, men as well, but especially women who have such a large portion of their brain that is preoccupied with that weight loss roller coaster. And that is, I'm so passionate about getting people off of that roller coaster. If for no other reason than to preserve the amount of like human intelligence and energy that is being exhausted on that roller coaster that could otherwise be used for so many more important things. And I'm not saying that with any kind of judgment because, you know, some people feel so guilty about whether, oh, they should even want this. And that's how I felt too. I was formerly a fat activist. I did, you know, literal activism to, um, you know, against anti-fat attitudes in society. So I had an enormous amount of guilt about the fact that I was sort of secretly dieting and wanting to lose my fat. And so if you've got a big part of your brain that is preoccupied with this stuff, I mean, no judgment at all. And you have every right to want to be in the kind of body you want to be in. And you shouldn't listen to anyone trying to, you know, mansplain to you, they need to love yourself the way you are. You can have whatever ambitions you want. And a lot of people like, so for example, on that, imagine someone said, oh, you know, I'd love to make an extra $100,000 a year. And then someone else's immediate response was, you should just love your salary the way it is. You should love yourself the way you are. So really, with this constant slapdown of love yourself the way you are, I think we're really denying, you know, specifically women's ambitions for themselves and their bodies. You can want that. That's okay. But if you want it, you've got to figure out how to do it in a way that is sustainable and self-loving. And that's sort of, if you don't mind me going on a rant here, Lauren, this is the self-loving aspect is what I'm really um, talking to a lot of people about right now. Because people have this idea that if you accept yourself the way that you are, then you won't be motivated to change. That's why people are so freaking terrified of actually loving themselves, even though they are whatever, 15 pounds heavier than they want to be, even though they're totally out of shape, even though they smoke or whatever you know, they're beating themselves up about. Beating yourself up about it is not going to make it better. It really won't. It's going to have the opposite effect. There have been tons of studies on this where they, you know, for example, they made a whole bunch of people eat donuts and then they split the, the study, the, the, whatever, their subjects into two groups. One group got a whole bunch of messages of, self, of self-love and reassurances that yeah, it doesn't matter that you ate the donut. We told you to do it. There's not even any, you know, very many calories in it. You'll work it off later. Don't worry about the donut. And the other group didn't get those messages. And then they had all of them do some sort of math, you know, distraction or something like that. And there happened to be candy on the table. And guess which group ate twice as much candy? The group that didn't get the messages that it was okay that they ate the donut. So even though we think if we beat ourselves up, if we boot camp sergeant ourselves, then we will shame ourselves into, you know, having proper behavior. It's just, it will not work. It will have the opposite result. And the other thing is that even if you did manage to, you know, what I always say is you cannot hate yourself into a body that you love. Because even if you manage to diet your way down to, you know, size four jeans or 120 pounds or whatever your goal is, but you were doing it while like beating yourself up, then the only feeling, the only neural pathway that you have ever practiced 
is that of beating yourself up. So even when you get there, you're going to find something else to beat yourself up about. You're going to be like, yeah, okay, I'm 120 pounds, but oh, if only I could, you know, get rid of this loose skin on my belly. Oh, if only my boobs didn't shrink so much. Only if, you know, it came off my you know, thighs. You're going to find that because that is the only thing you've ever practiced. So the way that you don't even want to be 120 pounds, you want to feel the way you think you're going to feel at 120 pounds. So the thing is, you've got to practice that feeling right now at exactly the weight you were at. Because really, that's what you want. That is the ultimate outcome. And you've got to train for that ultimate outcome. So here's the, the internal speech that I make everyone do right now. Right now, at the coronavirus, when everyone's gained 15 pounds and they're beating themselves up and they're like, oh my gosh, here's what you're going to do. You're going to look in the mirror and you're going to say, even though I have gained 15 pounds and I've done nothing but sit on my butt and eat ice cream and have drinks at 4 p.m. every day or whatever your situation is. Even though all of that, I still completely and totally love and accept myself exactly as I am right now in this moment, in this day. And I am so freaking excited for where I'm going, for how I'm going to start picking up my healthy habits, for how ripped I'm going to be this summer, for how, you know, I'm going to be able to zip up my jeans, no problem, for how confident I'm going to feel in short shorts, for how strong I'm going to feel. So that is the script, even though whatever. I still completely and totally love my and set myself right now. And, and then you get excited for the future. And there's a big difference between, oh man, you suck. I can't believe you've done this. You're only allowed to be happy when you lose 15 pounds or whatever. Yeah. I've heard them term it the six pack paradox. Like they think that you have to want a six pack to get a six pack and not be happy where you are, but you actually have to be happy where you are and accept that in order to get there, which is kind of the irony of it. Exactly. Well, that's exactly it. Yeah. You have to be happy with where you're at in order to get there. And you have to be happy with where you're at in order to practice being happy, which is the reason that you want the six pack anyway. It's not what people tend to do. And it can take a lot of practice for people. And so here's what happens sometimes, Lauren, when people hear this, they go, Oh my gosh, what am I going to do? I'm always beating myself up. Ah, And then they start beating themselves up for beating themselves up. (laughs) So if you find you're hearing yourself having these negative thoughts about yourself all the time, here's again, your new script. You're going to say, even though I sometimes beat myself up, I still completely and totally love and accept myself as I am, even with these thoughts. And I'm so excited for where I'm going because the fact that I'm even hearing these thoughts means that I'm about to get, like, I'm over it. Yes. And I love what you said about, you know, I think women are in this place where it's like, if you want to be thin or if you want to get super hot, then you're kind of looked down upon because you're like molding yourself to this expectation that society's placed on you. But then if you want to do something and you're ambitious about it, you should be congratulated for that. And it's like, oh, I want to lose 10 pounds. Oh, you don't need to. You look good, which is nice to hear that. But you also (laughs) want someone that's going to support you in what you're doing. Right. And also, like, maybe I get to decide whether I want that or not. Instead of you telling me, oh, no, 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 you don't that you don't need to do that. Like, I get to decide. I get to decide whether I want to be a doctor. You don't tell me that, no, you're okay being or whatever you know, maybe I could decide I want to make more money. I want a bigger house or whatever. And without someone telling me, no, you don't want that. And then on the other hand, I mean, I think that one of the most empowering thing is for us to choose consciously. 
And I do say in my book, you know, we do have the power to drop this as a project. Like people who have this 10 pounds that they've been trying to lose for the last 10 years. And by the way, that is actually really common. Having someone writing down, I'm going to lose 10 pounds as their New Year's resolution. The average person who makes that uh, uh, New Year's resolution will make it for 10 years in a row. I have tried to lose 10 pounds since I was 20. (laughs) There you go, right? It's like this thing that's like this constant on your to-do list. And so what I say in my book is, you know, if that's going to be on your to-do list, then let's, you know, choose it consciously rather than just have it be this default task that will always be nagging at you. And, you know, in order to choose it consciously, you have to understand that, hey, it's going to require some work. You can't lose 10 pounds and do the same shit you've always done. So if you've been doing all these crazy diets and the weight loss roller coaster, it's time to do something different. You also want to figure out like why you've got to make this in order to do something different to completely change all your habits. It's going to require some mental bandwidth. And in order to invest mental bandwidth, you need to have a really strong why you want to do this. And you also want to consider, yeah, like body trends come and go. I mean, when I was younger, it would have been completely embarrassing to have a big bum like Kim Kardashian. And now one of the, as a trainer, one of the top requests I get is how do I build my bum? So this has just happened in the last 20 years. So body trends, they come and go. And if we kept trying to sculpt and mold our bodies to fit whatever the latest trend is, we would go insane. And we do go insane. And so what I'm saying is that whatever you're trying for right now might be completely out of fashion in 20 years. And you said in the book, body fat actually can be healthy. And that last 10 pounds you might want to lose actually is really healthy. Because I feel like for myself, I do exercise every day. I do drink a lot of water. I do eat properly. And I just have that bit on my stomach that I don't like. And Mm -hmm. I, after I read your book, I looked at it. I'm like, well, it is healthy. And you know, I still like the way I look in a full piece. So it's, you know, it's like, is it worth it to me to even like maybe I should just take this off my to-do list completely, which is totally. Interesting. And I and love I, it when people take it off their to-do list. And I never even and thought of it. It's just always been on there. I know people are not choosing it consciously. It's just like this mind weight that was handed to us when we turned twelve or whatever. And yeah. most women have been carrying around this anvil their whole lives of the ten pounds that they are supposed to lose. And really, for most of us, that last ten pounds is totally. There's no health problem with it. It's just an aesthetic problem. So what I say is there's two things. So in my book, I talk about having the the ratio of effort to results. So you can say, so with in your case, Lauren, if you don't mind me using you as an example, with your case, you exercise, you eat pretty healthy, and you know, I'm guessing you have a vice or two. Mm -hmm. So for you, um, that means that you've got a body that you like enough in a one piece. Maybe you don't feel super confident in a bikini. You've got a little bit of a belly and you like your, whatever your weight is. Okay. So that's your effort to result. Okay. So now you've got two choices. You could either make peace with the results and be like, okay, this is what happens when I give this amount of effort. I'm comfortable with this amount of effort. And this is the result. Therefore, my only task is to be happy with this result. That's it. That's my task, is learning to freaking love this body. Or if you decide, no, I want a different result, then you put in more effort, and then your only task is to get really freaking happy with that extra effort. 
whatever that is, dropping booze, exercising more, you know, eliminating sugar, carbohydrate, whatever the extra effort is. And then you just make peace and get super happy with that extra effort. So it's really about each individual figuring out where do I want to be on my effort to results chart and making happy and making yourself happy with wherever it is that you choose, but choose it consciously. Don't let it get handed to you by society telling you you should have a thigh gap, which is just insanity by trying to look like a celebrity who's got completely different genetics than you. Yeah, that's true. And it takes some work to, to decide whether you know, you want to accept it or you want to put the effort in and what you're willing to give up. <laughs> exactly. Like or like wine and dessert. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So some people are like, no, actually, you know, for example, um, getting rid of booze is probably one of the best things you can do if you want to uh, get rid of body fat and specifically belly fat. However, for a lot of people, when I'm like, well, if you really want to get rid of your belly, you could drop the booze. They're like, um, actually, you know what? I enjoy my booze so much that I'd rather drink booze and have the belly. And then I'm like, yeah, there you go. There's your choice. And so you make that choice consciously and then you get happy with it. So I think that this is the kind of internal work. Um, One example of that I talked about in my book, this is the internal work that no one's doing when it comes to, to weight loss. They will go down an internet rabbit hole of Googling how to lose belly fat fast, which is by the way, one of the top Googled searches of all time. And they'll click on every link from self magazine and blah, 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 expert trainer, celebrity does this. This is how so-and-so lost the weight after the baby. And they're going to go all the way down every forum on keto, but they don't spend the time to sit there and figure out, right, what am I doing? What is the result I'm getting? And am I happy with it? No. Okay. Well then I'm going to have to do something different. And do I want to do that? Really choose it consciously. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we're so only exposed to like girls who don't have cellulite or don't have stretch marks or, Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden you see, because we're not really exposed to real bodies unless it's in a sexual way. So if there's something wrong with our body, we are self-conscious about it because we don't really see anyone else's bodies unless they're (laughs) perfect on a magazine. So yeah, Yeah, it's madness. So we have, you know, most of the stuff, the last, you know, heavy air quotes here, the last 10 pounds that so many women are dragging around with them mentally are physically completely normal. And what, you know, like what they're aspiring for is not what normal bodies look like, but we wouldn't know that because we don't see normal bodies. We see bodies only in these very sexualized contexts. That's true. And one other thing I want to talk about, because I think this is a really important exercise for our listeners to do, is is in your book, you made the reader write out what would happen if they stayed at the weight that they mm-hmm. were at right now. And mm-hmm. if, if they are overweight and they um, aren't exercising and their energy is low, and maybe it would lead to longer term health implications, so they had to write that out and really get real with themselves. Yeah. And then on the flip side, where they would be if they did get healthier. So, and yeah. that it's that script that they're able to go back to, like you said, you know, it's four o'clock and you're in quarantine and you're bored. Mm-hmm. Why not pour, pull a glass of wine? But yeah. that's when you can rely on that. That's right. Yeah. So you've got to get really clear again about figuring out why you want this, if you want this. And that's about really like just getting awake to what are the consequences if things don't change. So for me, 
when I was constantly on that weight loss roller coaster, the consequences were I would never feel proud of how I looked. I would never feel, um, you know, confident in the kind of clothes that I love to wear. I would never, I would feel um, short of breath every time I'm going up the stairs. I'd be and often the only one short of breath. I would um, have to start shopping at specialty stores. I would, you know, and like, I would feel constantly out of control and less, um, you know, obviously less attractive. Like I had all these consequences that I was like, okay, hey, that's not an option. And it has to be really powerful because if it's not really powerful, you are of course going to reach for the wine or the whatever. And that's why I talk about the difference between happiness and pleasure in the book, because a lot of people are seeking, um, you know, momentary pleasure at the, at the um, loss of their overall happiness. So for example, and there's a lot of like wording around there about, about that these days, like, oh, I'm just going to listen to my body and I'm going to do what feels good and stuff like that. Like my company's called Fit Feels Good. I believe so strongly in feeling good. But in order to feel good in a real way, in a happiness way, not just a fleeting pleasure kind of way, there is a little bit of grit involved. It requires that you are making meaningful progress towards something that, that means something to you. And in order to make progress, you've got to get in that discomfort zone, which means you're going to have to turn down the wine when you want it. And that's where the growth happens. So, you know, I talk about the difference between pleasure and happiness. So pleasure is something that is fleeting. That's usually from, it's usually external. So it's usually like a sensory pleasure, like tucking, you know, rolling over and going back to bed when you really want to, or, you know, eating chocolate or that sort of stuff versus happiness, which is internal and long lasting. So one of the examples I give is pleasure is maybe when someone says, hey, have you lost weight? You get that little hit of pleasure, but that's an external thing and it's, a, and it's very fleeting. Versus happiness, which is when you feel so good in your skin, that's happiness. And that takes some more work. It takes a little bit of grit to get there. And you're not always gonna wanna do your workout. And you are gonna want the wine or the chocolate or whatever. And the other thing I want to say too is that there's nothing wrong with pleasure. I am a huge fan of pleasure. I think that we deny ourselves of pleasure way too much in this lifetime, and there's no reason for that. I think everyone should give and get as much pleasure as possible. But you've got to be careful when that pleasure is coming at a cost of your actual happiness. Yeah, that's so true. And you talk so much like about habits in the book and how. I know that you're vegan and it's not like you go on vacation and you're like, Oh, I'm not going to be vegan this week because I'm on vacation. So right. it's really yeah. funny. But um, so what are these seven habits and how can we implement them? Why are they so important? And if you can just go over the seven big ones you talk about in the book. So the seven habits are the ones that you literally were taught in kindergarten. And most of us have been ignoring these very simple seven habits in favor for very like complex, it can't be that simple. I'm going to actually start like counting my macros and my net carbs and blah, 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 and doing some very complicated training program. And I'm like, dude, all you got to do is stuff like one, fill half of your plate with vegetables, vegetables, like remember vegetables. That's what we've been told forever. But everyone's like, no, it can't be that simple. It's seriously that simple. Just eat shit tons of vegetables mm-hmm. that will take care of your Calories will take care of your vitamins and nutrients. It will take care of so much. Okay. Um, sleep, go to sleep like seven, eight hours, non-negotiable. If you're telling me, oh no, 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 like I'm totally fine on five. You're not 
Science says you're not. Seven to eight hours of sleep. Um, portion control. Most of the people that I work with, or um, when I did do one-on-one training, you know, these are people who take their fitness really freaking seriously. Like they pay top dollar to have a trainer come to their house and blah, blah, blah. And they almost always, almost always, if you were eating healthy and you have extra body fat, it's almost always because you were overeating. You're just eating too much of it. Um, let me think. Okay. Back away from the booze. I already talked about that. So if you're doing everything else, super healthy, you know, <laughs> eating all the organics and the sprouts and the blah, 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 blah. And then you top that off with a cocktail every day, zero judgment for me. And you are, um, you know, that's, you are not, you're, you are taking a huge step back if your ultimate goal is uh, body composition. So, you know, whatever, make your choices. I totally don't judge, but that would probably be the number one thing for a lot of people is back away from the booze. Um, also exercising. And it's funny because, you know, I'm officially, my, my job is as a trainer and I'm a huge fan of exercise. And so a lot of people were really surprised that it's really not that huge part of the book, but really um, you cannot exercise off food where you can uh, eat a cake, but then work it off through exercise. The body doesn't actually work that way. Exercise is not a great way to burn calories to lose weight. It is, however, an amazing way to um, boost your mood, to boost your health, to boost, to put you in a mindset where you crave healthy food, to put you in a mindset where you think of yourself as a healthy person and to start to build lean muscle mass, which will eventually raise your metabolic rate. So it's really interesting. Studies show that people who lose weight, they don't often lose weight through exercise. However, almost everyone who maintains a weight loss, which by the way, is a really small percentage, is about less than 1% of people who have a significant weight loss will maintain that weight loss for over a year. They are all exercisers. So exercise is extremely important, but not often the way people think. And let me think what, oh, meditation. So meditation is uh, the one that I often get the biggest pushback from because, you know, people say, please, dude, like you're a trainer. I hired you to give me abs, not enlightenment. <laughs> but the thing is that meditation is where you were going to actually sit down and figure yourself out. And that's where you're going to figure out why you overeat, why you automatically reach for the red wine whenever you get stressed, whether you actually want to lose weight. You know, what are the things that are triggering you to reach for a cookie at 3 p.m. every day? What is it that you're actually looking for in that cookie? Is it an energy boost? Is it just a break from work? Is it a feeling of treating yourself? If it's a feeling of treating yourself, if you have this script in your head where you think, well, I deserve it, then meditation is where you might figure out, well, why am I living a life where I feel so desperate for a treat? Or what else could make me feel treated that's not just an instant hit of pleasure, but will also make me happier in the long run? So that, dudes, is the work that no one is doing. And again, because they're spending their time chasing their tail or going down internet rabbit holes of some celebrity keto diet instead of sitting down and figuring yourself out. And that's the work that needs to be done. You know, we, we go in waves with the diet industry and we're kind of realizing now that there's so much more than just diet and exercise to weight loss and that it 
it's very psychological. There's a lot of internal work that needs to be done, a lot of reflection. Mm-hmm. And if it was as easy as just Googling a diet and going on it, then, you know, we all would have done it by now. We all would have done it now. Um, yeah. And two things I want to say, you talk about booze. I think that the big misconception is that people are like, why would like a 125 calorie glass of wine or like a 70 calorie vodka soda, if I had one or two of those with my friends, like, why does that matter? But, you know, I'll go with my friends and have a few drinks. And it's not like I come home and make a salad. I usually like (laughs) pick up a slice of pizza. And if we really go out and have a few drinks, the next day I am tired. I don't work out. I'm sluggish. And then I crave even worse food. So yeah, kind of just like the backlog of what happens when you do drink because there's not that many calories in alcohol if you're just having one or two. It's just kind of the lifestyle that goes with it. Right. And this is why, you know, just the simple calorie tracking or the Weight Watchers kind of approach doesn't really work because it's not the whole picture. And this is also why these are the keystone habits. So what I mean by a keystone habit is it's one that has a ripple effect in a positive or negative ripple effect. So if you were to, because, you know, we can get completely overwhelmed with all of the health and wellness advice, you know, posture and multivitamins and yoga, but then we should also be gratitude journaling or whatever. Like there's so many things that honestly, if we were to take all of these things, we would spend at least half of every day just in these self-care practices. So what I wanted to do is really kneel it down. What are the seven that actually make the most difference? that pull the biggest levers. Like it's the 80-20 rule. Give me the 20% actions that will give me 80% of results and let's just focus on those. And that's why something like eliminating booze, you're right, booze has a crazy ripple effect in all these different areas. It affects your sleep, your willingness to exercise, it affects what you eat, like all these things. So eliminating that one thing, it's not just the 170 calories or whatever, it's the ripple effect. On the other hand, exercise has an incredible ripple effect on your mood, on what you eat, on your like a million different things. So same with meditation. So that's why I really narrowed it down to the seven habits that are really going to make a difference. And I think finding exercise too that you actually enjoy is so important. I felt like for years I would have to force myself to go to the gym. And then I found, I started streaming workouts, which ironically benefited me so much during quarantine. Mm Because everyone was like, the gyms are closed. And I'm like, I haven't gone to the gym in like five years. (laughs) Um, Okay. You talk about like how much your surroundings matter and like Mm -hmm. really decluttering. And I think about that too. Like I look at my cupboards, I'm like, you know, are you setting yourself up for failure having wine in here and having cookies in here and having that dress in your closet when you were 10 pounds skinnier? Like, can you just talk about how like your environment and like getting rid of things that aren't serving you and with your phone too, like things that stress you out? Sure. So I advise people to go through a physical and a digital decluttering process. So physical first in your kitchen, like get rid of any of your, your trigger foods, like anything that you, anything that you have ever overconsumed in the past to the point where it made you feel kind of yucky. There's a good chance you're going to do that again. Just get it out of your house. And yes, you can, it doesn't mean you can never have it again. It just means for now, let's interrupt that pattern and get it out of your house. Please don't tell yourself that you're buying it for the kids. If it's ended up in your mouth in the past, it will in the future. Get it out. And besides, why do you want to feed your kids stuff that you don't want to eat? So um, all that. Trigger foods, get it out of there. Um, then also, make you, set yourself up for success. So for example, things like, you know, if you're going to do some food prep, 
make sure you've got Tupperware with lids that fit. It seems so silly, but it's these little points of friction that can really make or break things. Make sure you've got a knife that actually works. Make sure you know, you've got whatever tools that you need and get rid of anything that is promoting you to not you know, if you've got booze on the counter, you are much more likely to drink it. If it's within sight, you're much more likely to consume it. On the other hand, if you're doing stuff like pre-prepping vegetables, like chopping up a veg bunch of vegetables, you're much more likely to eat it. So strip away anything triggering, put the stuff visible and prepared that you want to eat, get rid of anything you don't want to eat, and make sure you've got all the tools that are going to serve you. So then you move on to the bedroom or wherever you keep your clothes. And I want you to chuck anything that makes you feel bad about yourself. So a lot of people will <laughs> have a pair of accountability jeans. And, you know, I'm actually much more a fan of accountability jeans than the scale. They're going to tell you a, a, a better story. If body composition is your goal, then um, doing waist measurements or having a pair of jeans is going to be a better way to measure than the scale. However, if you've got like a closet full of clothes that are way too tight on you. And that when you wear them, they make you feel not awesome. They make you feel like you've got pancake butt and you, the waist is digging into you and you've got like, you know, spillage over. Oh my gosh, get rid of them. You can put them downstairs. You can put them away for now, like put them in storage or whatever you got to do. But for right now, I want you to only wear the clothes that make you feel fabulous at exactly the weight you're at. Because remember, what we're doing is we are practicing feeling amazing right now. Because when you're feeling amazing right now, then you will do all the other things that make you feel amazing. It's this positive ripple effect, right? And there's no way you're going to have self-loving thoughts if you're wearing a pair of pants that are going right up your crotch and hurt. So get rid of them. Get rid of them. And also things that make you feel like slovenly and whatever, like get the clothes that make you feel attractive, that make you feel active, all that sort of stuff. That's what you want. And then look at your phone and ditch anything that is distracting you without adding value to your life. Okay. So that's stuff like, you know, news apps, if they make you feel yucky, get rid of them. Social media, um, maybe social media in general, maybe certain social media accounts. Because a lot of people follow, I actually wrote an article about one of the quickest things you can do to lose weight is to ditch Instagram. That was a sort of very alarmist um, title of the article. But what I'm saying is that, so a lot of people follow these influencers or whatever with the idea that it's going to inspire them. But really check in with your gut there because if it's not inspiring you, if it's making you feel yucky with negative social comparison, it's going to have the opposite effect that you want. Get rid of it. So think of things that are actually going to inspire you. And that might be stories of people like you who are succeeding, who are whatever, like, but rather, but I wouldn't follow a lot of people who are like, look at my bum. If you do what I tell you, you can have a bum like mine. Usually that doesn't make people feel good because no matter what they do, they're not going to have a bum that looks like that. Yeah. And we never think of that. I'll be in like such a great mood and then I'll go on Instagram and be like, oh, my life's garbage. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for so sure. Hard to, and you don't realize it like unconsciously. You're just like, oh, I'm in a bad mood now. And I don't know why. Yep. That's right. Yeah. But no. And that's what Kelly and I talk about so much on this podcast is just, you know, living this like simple, meaningful, intentional life and like having exactly what serves you physically, mentally, digitally. So mm -hmm. you just mm -hmm. like summed it up. Perfect. Um, so where can we find you? Yeah. So, um, you can find me at fitfeelsgood.com, fitfeelsgood.com. 
And there is a snacking solutions e-guide if you want to take away some snacks and it goes through a psychological process of that. You can get a free chapter of my book if that's interesting for you or a meal prep power hour, how to prep a week's worth of meals in one hour. I've also got some free workouts and stuff on there. So tons of value there if you go to fitfeelsgood.com. Um, you covered everything. The points were so good. Thank you so much for uh, doing this interview with me today. The, this oh, information so is wonderful. so great. Good. People, I hope it was helpful. Yeah, no, people need to hear this. Like, I feel like everyone's just like, yeah, you know, make a green smoothie <laughs> and, and they don't address the psychological aspect or there's so many other areas that need to be um, talked about, but you totally. did. Great. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you too. Bye. Thank you for listening. If you found a lot of value in this episode, we highly recommend you check out fitfeelsgood.com and join Una and her movement to help you feel good today and put sustainable, healthy habits into practice. And if you enjoy this real and honest conversation as much as we did, please send us a direct message on social media at Millennial Minimalist or share this episode with a friend. Plus, if you haven't already, please take a moment to write us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. Your kind reviews help us bring on more exciting guests and really keep us motivated. Thanks again. Stay safe and speak soon. Bye-bye.